0: Uh, thank you. Thank you, Angela. Praise the Lord. I hope you can hear me. Uh, thank you so much for leading us in worship. Uh, that's, that song that you sang was, uh, one of the songs that were like a given when we were still in Scripture Union in Kigezi High School. Um, so it just brought good memories back. And thank you so much for reading the text for us today. Let us just uh, pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is living and active. We thank you that your word is um, such as our hearts, it divides our bone and marrow, our spirits and soul. Lord, we're here to hear your word. May your word change our lives. May your word accomplish what it's meant to do. And Lord, as we look at building our faith lives by your word. We pray that your word will be alive in us to the praise and glory of your name. We pray that your word will enter, that the entrance of your word bring light. Open our eyes, Lord, that we may see the wonderful truths in your word. To you be the glory. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' mighty name, we believe and we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I think this is probably the first time I've done an evening. Uh, and it's um, a joy to, to be sharing with you what I believe, I hope. It's what God has put on my heart. And now I pray that he will work his way uh, in it. And, uh Accomplish specifically what he wants to accomplish in each of our lives. Before we venture into the text, as it has been read for us, I think it is important that when understand when the topic says build your faith life, it isn't asking you to construct it by putting parts or materials together. Because one definition of building is to construct something and put parts or materials together. When they're asking us to build our faith life, I think, uh, what the scripture is asking us is to strengthen and emphasize our faith. Uh, and, and, and it is important why it is from the word of God. Uh, it is important why we must begin with the understanding that we're building, therefore strengthening and, uh, ensuring that our faith is assured is firm but it is for us to build it by his word. And Joshua chapter 3 verse 9 to 10 uh, sets out some profound truths that I would like us to start with, even as we build into building your faith life uh, by his word. So in Joshua chapter 3 verse 9 to 10, Joshua says to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that you will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hevitites, the Perizzites, the Jigashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. I want to pick two things from there. Joshua is telling the Israelites to come and listen to the words of the Lord their God because why? This is how they will know that the living God is among them. The first place for us to understand why do we listen to the word of God, why must we then build our faith in the word of God, is because it's the only way you and I will ever fathom the fact that the living God is among us. And it is the only way that we know that he will certainly do what he has said he will do. In this specific case, he was telling them, listen to the words of the living God so that you know that he's among you and he'll certainly drive out before you, your enemies. In this particular case, in our context today, we listen to the word of God so that we may know that the living God is among us and that he will certainly do what he has said that he will do. That is why it is important for us to build our faith life on his word, because one, we must understand that he lives among us, and two, we must know that the living God will certainly do what he has said that he will do. If for nothing else, therefore, we listen to the word of God for those two things. To know that he's among us and to know that he will do what he says that he will do. And probably the hymn, Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, best illustrates why it is important to listen or to hear the word of God. The writer of those of that lyric says, Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, just to know, thus saith the Lord. I do not know what you're going through. But probably that is why you are here today, to just hear what is the Lord saying. And the chorus says, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how i proved him all and all. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, all for grace to trust him more. This is is a, 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 a hymn that personifies our theme, a hymn where someone is saying that it is sweet to trust, it's sweet to have faith in Jesus because we are taking him At his word, we are resting upon his promise just to know that saith the Lord. And then the plea, all for grace to trust him more. Now, faith, on the other hand, has been well defined by Hebrews 11 and 1 as the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. The KJV says that faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The New Living Translation, on the other hand, says, That faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And probably the message puts it better, that faith is this trust in God. This faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we cannot see. Hallelujah. Faith, faith is that trust in God. It is the firm foundation under everything it is where we build our, uh, our, 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 our life is built on that foundation. So when we build our faith, it is where our lives are built on the foundation of God's word. And it's what makes life worth living. It is our handle on what we cannot see. And it is important to note that when it comes to faith, it's not the quantity. Uh, you might have heard people saying that personally, I have big faith. I have large faith. And we like quoting Jesus' words, O ye of little faith. But faith is not about quantity, it's about substance. And that is why in Luke 17 and 5, we're reminded that all we require is faith as small as a mustard seed. And so faith is important to us because we know that as Ephesians 2 and 8 says, we're saved by grace through faith. So Faith is an important attribute in a Christian's life, not faith particularly for the things you're praying for, but just to understand that actually faith is imperative because it is through it that you're saved by grace. And this is why it's critical for us to build our faith life. Now, with regards to the Word, John 1.1 reminds us that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So when we are building our faith life on the word, I want us to go beyond just what we have presumed the word to be and to know that the word is the living life of Christ. That is the word. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. And remember, there is no better foundation than what Jesus has laid. We cannot build our faith lives on anything other than the word Jesus Christ. And that is why Deuteronomy 3 uh, says, and you should keep it in mind, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So God's word is, is the oxygen, is the oxygen of our faith life. It's the oxygen of our faith life. It's why we survive. It's why we live. And it is therefore imperative that we approach this topic from the understanding that God is inviting us to make stronger our confidence an assurance by his word Jesus Christ hallelujah so building your faith is an expectation from god it is an expectation from god jude verse 20 and 21 calls us to carefully build ourselves up in the most holy faith the new living translation adds the word that we should we must build ourselves up in this most holy faith so building our faith is not uh, a suggestion. It is not uh, uh, we're not exempt. It is something God expects us to to build ourselves up in the most holy faith. So how are we going to build our faith on the basis of God's word? I think the beginning point is for us to remember the words of Romans ten and seventeen. So then faith cometh by hearing, and by hearing the word of God. How I pray that as you listen to God's word this evening, you'll be stirred up to build up your faith. That faith will come to you by hearing and by hearing the word of God today. That faith in the circumstances that you are will come to you this day because you've heard and you are hearing by the word of God. As a preamble, note that faith is like a muscle. If you ever, if you never use it, it can never grow. So we are in the gym right now. Where the only way you're going to uh, build your faith life is going to the gym, and the gym is God's word. The gym is God's word. Now, as the scripture has been read to us in John 6, 1 14, the story is told of how Jesus feeds the 5,000 people. Jesus asks the disciples to provide the food, and, and, and that was to test them. And uh, he, 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 Philip says, but we, even if we're at work for a year, we'll not be able to see, feed these people sufficiently. Andrew is known in scripture for doing two things. One was calling his brother Peter. The second one is bringing this young man to, to Jesus. So he brings the young man to Jesus, two little fishes and five loaves of bread. Uh, he, he, he lifts up uh, the fish, gives thanks, uh, gives it to his disciples. And says, uh, uh, feed the people, gives the, does the same for the bread. And then 5,000 men, not counting women and children, were fed. Now I'd like us to read it in the message version. And I want to read just verses one to six. After this, Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee. A huge crowd followed him, attracted by the miracles they had seen him to do, seen him do among the sick. Now note this, the huge crowd came because of the miracles, but not what happens with his disciples. And it's important that you see the distinction because today evening you're going to ask yourself, are you among the crowd that is following him or you are his disciple? When he got to the other side, he climbed a hill and sat down surrounded by his disciples. It was nearly time for the feast of the Passover kept annually by the Jews. When Jesus looked out and saw that a large crowd had arrived, he said, Philip, where can we buy bread to feed these people? Now, listen to this. He said this to stretch Philip's faith. He already knew what he was going to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, you see, the reason as to why I want to just have a bit of distinction is that you are either following Jesus because you are attracted by the miracles you have seen him do among the sick. You've seen him perform miracles for your sister, your neighbor, your uncle, your auntie, people at church. And that is why you go to church. That is group one. Group two is the Phillips group, where Jesus is asking you to do the impossible because he desires to stretch your faith. He already knows what he's going to do, though he's asking you to do something. The purpose as to why you're going through what you're going through, the purpose as to why you're going through the circumstances, the situation you are in, is because Jesus is in the business of stretching his disciples' faith. You can choose today to be among the huge crowd. And be attracted by the miracles, or you can choose today to be like Philip and have your faith stretched. Because do know this, your God, the God of all the earth, the God of the heavens and the earth, already knows what he's going to do. Amen. And for purposes of today's sharing, it is important that those words that those words that follow Jesus' question to Philip stick in your mind. He said this to stretch Philip's faith. <clears throat> he already knew. What he was going to do. Jesus asks his disciples to provide for food. That's why he asks, provide food. He knew their income. He knew that they would be troubled. He knew that they would be disturbed. He knew that they would be, uh, remember when they're crossing the Sea of Galilee, he knew they would be afraid. He knew all these things, but he requested them to do so, not because that was the issue. The issue was that he desired to stretch their faith. Is anyone here who is wondering why God is asking them to do the impossible? Is anyone here on this call wondering why they are going through the circumstances they are going through? Is there anyone here not seeing the end, not seeing the end of their situation, not seeing the end of their circumstances? Your marriage is in crisis. Your, your children are astray. You do not know you still have fees balance. You still are wondering about all the, you, you are suffering from an illness. God desires to stretch your faith. God desires to stretch your faith. But why is it important uh, for God that you stretch your faith or you make your faith stronger? It's a simple reason, friends, and it's in Hebrews 11 and 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must first believe that he exists and that he rewards those who honestly seek him. That is faith. It is to believe that he exists, the evidence of things not seen, and it rewards those who honestly seek him, the substance of things hoped for. So you stretch your faith because it is without faith, it is impossible to please God. And hopefully by the end of our conversation today, we shall be like the desperate father in Mark 9, 14 to 24. Remember, Jesus comes from the mountain top and he finds his disciples quarreling among them, among themselves. And Jesus asks, what is wrong? The father cries out and says, I brought my son To your disciples, and they felt out to cast the evil spirit that has robbed this young man of his speech. I don't know what evil spirits have robbed your situation or robbed you of, but here was a man who an evil spirit had robbed his son's speech. In verse 22, he makes a plea and says, Jesus, and and asks Jesus, But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. How many of us have? prayed this prayer of desperation. But if you can't do anything, I have been there where you have nothing, you can sin and you're really Lord, if you can't do anything in this circumstance. Jesus responds with these words, with this question, if I can, if I can, everything is possible for anyone who believes. And now I pray that today, that as you leave this place, you shall be like the father and you will exclaim, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Everything is possible for anyone who believes. I do believe, Father, help me overcome my unbelief. So in order for us to build our faith, in order for us to build our faith, uh, it is important that uh, we, we, it's imperative that we one understand that God's word is living and active. God's word is a living being. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing bone and marrow, spirit and soul, and judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Hebrews 4 and 12. If you're to build your, your faith life by God's word, you need to understand that God's word has life. It, it is not spoken in vain. It has life. It has life. It has life. Remember in in Ezekiel 37, uh, Ezekiel is being asked of God, can this valley of dry bones come back to life? And Ezekiel says, only you know, O Lord. And the Lord said, say to these dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So the wind had the word of the Lord. The dry bones came to life because they had the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is life. It is living and active. And so when you're building your faith life, build it on that understanding that you're building your faith life on something that is alive and active. It's important for us, number two, to understand that all scripture is God-breathed. And it is useful for teaching you, rebuking you, correcting you, and training you in all righteousness that you may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God desires that you're thoroughly equipped for every good work. And therefore, his word is it has his very breath in it. And it is useful to teach you, rebuke you, correct you, and train you, as it says in 2 Timothy three sixteen to 17. God's word does not return to him void. It is important that you understand that God's word does not return to him void. It accomplishes the purpose for which it has been sent to do, as it says in Isaiah 55, 10 to 11. There is an assignment God has given His word in your life, and that assignment will be accomplished. Somebody say, "Man, it will be accomplished." That purpose for which God has sent His word in your life, it will be accomplished. It will not stop until it has finished the purpose for which it was sent to you. It will not stop. God does not forsake the work of his hand. God does not forsake his word. His word will fulfill its purpose in, his purpose in your life. And fourthly, God isn't only going to perform his word, but as he says in Jeremiah 1, 11 and 12, Jeremiah was asked, what do you see? He says, I see an almond tree. And God says, you've seen properly, you've seen correctly. Because I am watching my word to see that it is fulfilled. Hallelujah. God is watching his word. The KJV says that God is hastening. I will will hasten my word to perform. That is God. God's word is living. God's word is, is breathed by him. God's word does not return to him void. And God is watching every word in scripture. Every word he has spoken from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. He has every single word he has spoken. is watching it to perform. And therefore you can trust his word to build up your faith. So how do we build up our faith by his word? I have a couple of points here. Uh, about six or six or seven of them, and I, and then uh, we'll close and we'll pray. I think probably we need to begin where Mary began. Mary's told that she's going to conceive a child not knowing a man, and this child is going to be the savior of the world. And she exclaims that I am the Lord's servant, the Lord's handmaid and praise, be it unto me according to your word. Probably this is all we need to do, to simply beseech God and say, be it unto me, Abba Father, according to your word. Probably it is the only thing you need to do regarding your your workplace. Be it unto me. may, may, May it be unto my workplace according to your word. May it be unto my children according to your word. May it be unto my spouse, according to your word. May it be unto my marriage, according to your word. May it be unto my finances, according to your word. May it be unto my walk with you, according to your word. Look, according to your word. be it unto me, according to your word. Oh, as Peter prayed in Luke 5, Peter has been fishing the whole night. Jesus comes and tells him, you know, cast your net to the other side. And Simon Peter answered, Master, we've toiled all night exhaustingly and caught nothing in our nest. But on the ground of your word, I will lower the nets again. In other words, we shall do this because you say so. Hallelujah. On the ground of your word, you it's supposed to build faith. Peter knew the situation. Peter knew the circumstances. Mary knew that she did not know a man. Peter knew that they had fished the whole night. You might be laboring and it's like in vain, but on the ground of your word. Jesus did not ask Peter to go to another lake. In the very lake, it might be in your workplace where you have not received a salary. It might be in your workplace where you've been seeking a promotion and it's not happening. Whatever situation is, in the very place you are, Jesus is saying, Cast your net on the other side. And all we need to do in response, like Mary, be it unto me according to your word, like Peter, on the ground of your word, on the be- because you say so, I will lower the nets again. So that's where I feel we need to begin. We need to simply begin at that place, at the place of be it unto me according to your word, because you say so, on the ground of your word. And tonight, you, as you approach God's throne, as your approach grows through this evening, go there on the ground of his word, on the ground of his word, on the ground of his word, and plunge in again, plunge in, no matter the health situation, no matter your finances, no matter your marriage situation, no matter your, how your spouse is behaving, just plunge in again to your word. Your wife might not be submissive, but give thanks to God because she's a helper, suitable for you that God has created, and give him thanks that she will be in that office, Your husband might not love you, but thank God that he will love you as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. Do not simply back out of God's word. Use God's word to elevate your faith. Recently, I was going through a situation and I landed on on, on Psalm 28, verse uh, 6 and And, 7. And David says, praise the Lord who has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. Hallelujah. I, I have my heart trusts in him and he has helped me. My heart leaps with joy and, and, and I will sing, I'll praise him with my song. That is David's response. God has heard my cry for mercy. Therefore, I, I know that he's my strength and is my shield. My heart will trust in him and he will help me. And as a result of that help, my heart will live for joy and I will sing songs of praise to him. That encouraged me in my situation. I simply gave thanks to God that he had heard my cry for mercy. Therefore, ground on God's word. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. So number one, let us begin where Mary and Peter began. Acknowledge that his word is supreme and because he has said so, you will do so. Number two, Acknowledge the power of God's word. We've already re- referred to Isaiah 55, verse 10 to 11. It does not return to him void. We've already known that God's word is, uh, is living and active. We've already learned that God's word is, 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 is sharper than any double-edged sword. It judges attitudes and thoughts of the heart. It, it divides good and moral spirits and so on. God's word is powerful. And all God needs to do is to say it. He doesn't need to do anything beyond just saying it. Matthew 8 and 8 best illustrates this point. Remember in Matthew 8, verse 5 to 8, a centurion soldier seeks help uh, from Jesus to heal his servant. Now, I don't know how many of us actually pray for the people who we employ. I wonder how many of us petition. The centurion soldier went to Jesus to petition for the life of his servant. His servant was sick. And Lord, may God have mercy on us. There will be two Christians. I will not go to Jesus to complain about our servants and those that we employ. But we shall go to him to petition him for their lives. But this is the beauty about verse 7. And Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord. I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. Tonight, are you willing to just go before God and say, just say the word and my situation will change. Just say the word and the sin that so easily entangles me will die. Just say the word and my child who's addicted to drugs will be set free. Just say the word and my and my helper at home will know you. Just say the word. Acknowledge the power of God's word. Number three, believe in what he said. Believe that what he said, he will do. Believe against all hope. When you read Romans Romans chapter four, and you could turn there because we're going to be there for a bit of time. And you read verse 18. The scripture says that against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Against all hope. The the hope was no more. But it was against it because he had gotten into a place of hopelessness. So against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations. So believe that what he has said, he will do. Don't doubt it. Believe it. Believe it. Number four, obey God's word even when it doesn't make sense. Remember the story in First Kings 17, verse 7 to 16 of Elijah and the widow at Zarephath? Elijah asks her to first prepare, found her picking sticks and asks her, "Fast, prepare me a meal. The leader just said, look, I have one small portion of flour and a small oil. I'm going to prepare the last meal for her and my son will eat it and die. And Elijah says, first prepare me a meal. It's like he didn't even hear that she had said, I'm going to prepare my last meal. But there's something powerful. Elijah told her, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jar of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. The basis was because what the Lord had said. So she obeyed even though it did not make sense. The Lord says it will not run dry. Let me go and prepare food for this man of God. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For so the jar of flour did not, uh, was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry. In keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. In keeping. You see, your circumstances can align to the word of the Lord. What the Lord says aligns your circumstances. In other words, the word of God does not align to your circumstances. Your circumstances align to the word of God. Therefore, obey the word of God even when your circumstances do not make sense. Number five, hear the word of the Lord and don't doubt it. Hear it and don't doubt it. In 2 Kings 7, 1-4, we're told of a story there was a famine in Samaria, Elisha uh, prophesied and said, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says about this time tomorrow, a seer of the finest flower will sell for a shekel and two seers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The officer on whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of the heavens, could this happen? You will see it with your eyes," answered Elijah. "Elisha, but you will not eat any of it. God forbid that we should ever doubt the word of God. The word of God does not make sense when you align it with your circumstances. You will be considered crazy, to say the very least. If you doubt the word of God, you miss out on the activation of the word of God. You." miss out on the operation of the word of god so hear the word of god as you build your faith like hear it and don't doubt it now romans 4 verse 19 to 21 cautions us that in whatever our circumstances we should not weaken however in our faith even when the facts state otherwise romans 4 19 to 21 says without weakening in his faith, faith in his faith Abraham, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact, tonight probably is time he faced the fact that your situation is as good as dead. There is no hope. Abraham faced the fact that his God was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. He faced that fact. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. So do not weaken in faith when he face his circumstances. Don't weaken in faith when you face your situations. Don't weaken in faith when you face what is going through. Do not waver in unbelief regarding the promise of God, regarding your situation. Do not waver in unbelief, brethren. Face them when you are not weakened in faith. and That's why you need to build your faith life. So when circumstances come and they tend to conflict with what you know, the evidence of things not seen and the substance of things hoped for, you will not weaken in faith when you face the fact, and thereby you do not waver in unbelief regarding the promise of God. Number seven. Romans 4.20, the second part of verse 20 to 21 says this, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Abraham's response to his circumstance was he strengthened his faith. Am I speaking to somebody? Is God speaking to somebody? Abraham in his situation strengthened his faith. Remember we said that the faith when God is saying building faith is asking us to strengthen our faith. He strengthened his faith and gave glory to God. And listen to the order, he strengthened his faith, he gave glory to God, he became fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. It's not that the power that it's not the fact that he knew that God had the power to do it. It's what caused him to strengthen his faith. No, he strengthened his faith. He gave glory to God. That caused him to be fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Because if his faith was weakened, he would not have been fully persuaded. His persuasion came from the fact that he said, Lord, you said this. He gave glory to God. He became fully persuaded that God had the power to do that which he had promised. And we must believe that God had, has power to do that which he has promised. And therefore, we should strengthen our faith and give him glory. Because there's no other way we're going to be fully persuaded. If we know that God has the power to do what he has said in his scriptures to do. Then, let strengthen our faith and give glory to him. Today, what has God told you about your situation? will be strengthened in your faith. Give glory to him. Being fully persuaded that he has the power to do that which he has promised. Is it about your job, your marriage, your child, your sin, deliverance, whatever it is? Be fully persuaded that he has the power to do it. Now, number eight, in case you're in doubt, go into the enemy's camp. As you build your faith, go into the enemy's camp. Remember Gideon in Judges 7, he's frightened. God wakens him up and says, uh, chapter 7 of Judges, he says, get up. I've given you the, 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 the enemy. And then he says, if you doubt, go to the enemy's camp. And when you go to the enemy's camp, he found a, two, a person telling the another a dream of a bread, barley bread rolling down the hill and destroying their tents. And the other one says, this for sure is the hand of Gideon. Friends, Satan acknowledges that he has already been defeated. He knows it since time immemorial. He knows it. The situation knows that the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. Hallelujah. So give thanks to the Lord for his good and his love endures forever. Give out a shout of praise because you're more than a conqueror. Number nine, always remember that God's word is to stretch your faith. We've seen that already. Jesus is asking them to stretch their faith. I think I can't think of a better illustration than, than Hezekiah in Second in Kings chapter 20 Isaiah 38. Isaiah went to him and said, this is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you're going to die. You will not recover. Hezekiah was sick. How did Hezekiah respond? He turned his face to the wall and prayed. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion, and I've done what is good in your eyes. Then he wept. And actually, when I was reading this, it seemed to me that it wasn't much about praying for his sickness. It was more about, Lord, remember what I have done. Now, before Isaiah could reach the middle court, God told him to go back and tell Hezekiah this. And now I pray that this is your word tonight. Hezekiah, this is what Isaiah told Hezekiah. This is what the God of your father David says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I don't know who is here, who is listening. Live here knowing that the Lord has heard your prayer and seen your tears. I do not know your needs. I do not know your circumstances. I do not know who needs to hear this. But God has heard your prayer and seen your tears. For Hezekiah's situation, it was health, but God can heal you and your situation. Finally, number I think that's number 10. I hope it is. Mark 5 and 36, Jesus is living with the, 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 a leader in the synagogue and uh, they come to him and tell him, don't bother the master. Your daughter is dead, Jairus. Jesus responded in these words, do not be afraid, only believe. And so tonight as you as you go in, into your quiet time with God, as you go to God, as you start building up your faith life. Remember, it is life. It is not a one-moment affair. It, It is continuous. It is up and about. You'll have to continue working on it. It is a muscle. Exercise it. But remember these things. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Your situation, your circumstance is there to stretch your faith. Do not waver in unbelief. Do not weaken in faith. But rather, be strengthened in your faith give glory to God, being fully persuaded that God has the power to do that which he has promised. Remember that when you read uh, verse, verse 17 of Romans uh, 4, as it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that are not. God gives life to the dead situation, brethren. The situation might be like the Valley of Dry Bones. Nothing is impossible with God. But let's just begin like Mary did. Be it unto me, Lord, according to your word. Or as Peter said, but on the ground of your word, I will pray again. On the ground of your word, I'll try again. On the ground of your word, I will not give up. On the ground of your word, I will continue doing. I'll continue doing this. On the ground of your word, And when you reach a place of doubt, cry out like the Father in Mark 9 and say, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Let us pray. Father, thank you that you are stirring us up this evening to to stretch our faith. You know already what you're going to do in each and every one of our circumstances. You know what you're going to do at our offices. You know what you're going to do in our businesses. You know what you're going to do in our marriages. You know what you're going to do in our children. You know what you're going to do in our finances. You know what you're going to do in our hearts. You know what you're going to do in our walk with you. You know what you're going to do, Lord, in, in, in this salvation that you've so graciously given us. You know what you're going to do. We're tired, Lord, of coming to you like the crowd because we've seen miracles. Today, we want to be among your disciples. We understand that we are in what we're going through because you desire to stretch our faith as your disciples, because you know what you're going to do. And so we give you thanks and praise that you, what your purpose will come to pass. As you planned it, it shall be accomplished. And therefore, Lord, we surrender to your word and say, "Be done unto us according to your word, O oh Lord. On the ground of your word, we'll do what you've asked us to do over and over again. Because, Lord, you are the God of the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything within it. And Lord, we pray that tonight, Lord, our God, you continue to enable us to understand that you are God. Enable us to understand that nothing is impossible with you. Enable us to understand that your word, O Lord, is powerful. That your word, O Lord, is living. That your word, O Lord, is breathed by you. That your word, O Lord, does not return to your void. That you watch your word to hasten it to perform. Lord, how we pray that in the name of Jesus Christ, you will enable us being strengthened in our faith. Lord, we believe. Help us overcome our unbelief. To you be the glory. To you be the honor. To you be the praise. We worship and adore you. Enable us, O oh Lord. Understand the work that you're doing in our lives. Give us that word that we will cling to. That we shall remember what you said before the storm. We shall remember your word in all circumstances, that your word will be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, that, Lord, our God and King, we shall receive faith by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We pray, Lord, because you say so in accordance to your word, that our circumstances will keep with the word of, of that you have spoken, and our situation will align themselves to the word, that we will not doubt, that we will not weaken however, in our faith, O oh Lord, our God and King. We give you glory and honor. As, as we sing, it is so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, that saith the Lord. And today may we hear what you're saying, because we know we can trust you, because we have proved you over and over again. Oh Lord, give us grace to trust you more. We give you thanks. We give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name, we believe and we have prayed. Amen.